What's going on and welcome back to episode 4 of the Cards on Ice podcast. Just myself again today in the the pod, um, but again hoping to have some guests on soon to bring you a little bit of variety here and another perspective into the world of sports cards, specifically hockey cards. Uh, I'm sitting here just after the trade deadline and I wanted to go over a couple of the deals that happened on Friday. Um, just before the deadline, uh, I know it was more like trade deadline week this year, and I know you've probably heard trade deadline coverage, so I'm not going to get into every little trade that happened. Uh, but I mostly want to get into how these trades affect your your cards and how you know future cards card values, I guess, are determined and things like that. So that's what this episode is going to be about today, for the most part. So uh, let's get into it. Um, looking at the first kind of major trade that happened on the trade deadline, we had John Klingberg going to the Minnesota Wild. And John Klingberg is a defenseman. And if you know anything about hockey cards, which you should if you listen to a hockey podcast, you know that defensemen have little value in this hobby. They are very undervalued for what they do, and they only really get hype if they are going to win a Norris or if they put up a ton of goals. And that's usually the two factors that factor in for a defenseman. Uh, Once a defenseman gains some hype, they usually don't lose their value, um, although there are some exceptions, of course. Um, But usually defensemen stay pretty stagnant. They stay pretty, you know, on the same line as what what they normally do. Um, you won't see these huge jumps in defensemen usually. Um, of course, there's exception, exceptions to everything. Um, but John Klingberg is one of those guys who has been establishing the league for a while. Him going to Minnesota really doesn't affect his card prices at all. He goes from a small market in Anaheim to another small market in the Minnesota Wild. And there's really not collectors in either. And that means his card prices don't go up a whole lot. Um, for another deal like... Like Max Domi, for example, going from Chicago to Dallas. Again, Chicago is, it's not bad. They have a half-decent card-collecting market. Uh, Dallas Stars are pretty um, few and far between. Uh, And a guy like Max Domi, his value has pretty much minned out since when he was drafted. Uh, He was one of those where if you look at the chart, it goes from really high down to basically the floor of the the graph. It goes all the way down to the x-axis. And he is, he's a guy where his value probably will never go up to what he had um, being drafted, um, just the role player that he is now. And again, going to Dallas won't really affect his card prices or anything like that. So if you're investing in Max Domi, um, just be prepared to be let down a little bit. Uh, The next deal I want to talk about is Tyler Bertuzzi going to Boston. Uh, This is the first one that I feel like the card prices could potentially change. And I want to make a disclaimer, too. These are not, like, card picks. Like, I'm not telling you to invest in any of these guys. I'm mostly just kind of looking at it from a card perspective and seeing, you know, how could values change when a player goes from one team to another? Uh, I think that the investing, quote-unquote, part of the hobby is kind of dead, honestly. I think during COVID, there was a large time where people could invest in hockey cards. Um, and, you know, in a couple months, that player could be, you know, worth double of what they what you bought it for. Um, I still think there are investment opportunities around the playoffs. But during the regular season, there really isn't 
that much room for investments. Uh, if you're investing in a guy like Connor McDavid, obviously his values have gone up from the start of the year, right? Uh, equally as much, if you're investing in a guy like Austin Matthews, his values probably have gone down since the start of the year. So there are these little kind of investment opportunities, but I do think that the majority of um, the quote-unquote investments in the hobby are basically, you know, that's not where you're going to make your your biggest profit if you're in here for, you know, making money. <clears throat> Obviously, you're going to want to find the best deals um, and then turn them for, you know, what comps say or things like that. Um, but if you're in this to invest and you're a long-term, like, pickup guys in, in the summer and sell them when they're in the playoffs, um, obviously these little kind of things can can determine, you know, card prices and, and what people are worth. Um, okay, back to Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi goes to the Boston Bruins, and this is something where Tyler Bertuzzi could definitely go up in value, uh, depending on Bertuzzi's role on Boston. So, um, Bertuzzi probably didn't have the craziest value being on Detroit. They do have some good collectors, but also Tyler Bertuzzi, he is a unique case where his future watches are all inscribed. He inscribed, I think, almost every single one of them. So it's actually more rare if you find a Bertuzzi future watch without an inscription than one with an inscription on it. Uh, so definitely if you're a future watch kind of investor, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is such a unique case, um, because his future watches are... Uh, unique to every other players in the league. Uh, that being said, when he's on Boston, if he has a role in the Boston offense, he his card price value could definitely go up, um, especially Boston being a playoff team, making a run for the playoffs, um, and definitely making a run for the cup. They've put up uh, a, a stellar season so far, and they're definitely the favorites going into uh, into playoffs. Tyler Bertuzzi definitely has the opportunity to go up for sure. Uh, now that he's in Boston, though, that's one of the other things is like, is everyone going to be hopping on to try and get Tyler Bertuzzi cards for cheap or what's going to happen? You know, um, it's one of those things where when a player gets traded, uh, especially to a big market team like Toronto or Montreal, uh, usually their prices increase almost instantly because people are buying up uh, every single one of their cards. If you recall back to last summer, about six months ago, actually, probably more now, more probably more like eight months ago. Um, when Kirby Doc got traded uh, to the Montreal Canadiens, his prices shot through the roof like instantly. Uh, like the moment he was traded, his young guns went just through the roof and he hadn't done anything. He just got traded from Chicago to Montreal. But every Habs fan and everyone who wants to, you know, now collect a new Habs player is hopping on to Kirby Doc um, to try and you know, pick up his cards for cheap because they know that a big market team like Montreal uh, will definitely increase his value. And that's really the only the only exception in, in trades. When, when players go to a really big market of collectors, that's where you'll see their values instantly spike. Um, last trade that I want to talk about, or maybe the last trade, one of the last trades is the Jacob Chikrin deal. So Chikrin to the Ottawa Senators that happened on March 1st. Um, again, Ottawa doesn't have a large, you know, collecting fan base. Compared to Montreal and Toronto, Ottawa has their, how can I put this? They have their, you know, few who are, you know, big, you know, kind of collectors in this space. Um, they have a good, you know, good kind of local crowd. 
Uh, but they really don't have like, you know, any super kind of collectors like Toronto and Montreal have. Um, so Jacob Chikrin, his value in Arizona was very minimal for the player that he is. And going to Ottawa, I think you'll see that Jacob Chikrin's prices increase. Um, I recently just sold a Jacob Chikrin card uh, that I've been hanging on to for a while because I thought he was going to get traded earlier. Um, I was happy with Ottawa. If he would have went to another bigger market team, I think it would have sold a lot quicker and I probably would have gotten more for it. But again, this is kind of the, the game you play within the market. Uh, so I sold a, a Jacob Chikrin fairly recently. It was a rookie. It was a low-numbered card. And uh, it sold fairly, well, fairly recently after the trade. So, um, I mean, you can just see that when I had this card when he was in Arizona, no one wanted it. And as soon as he goes to Ottawa, you know, there, there suddenly becomes a bit of a market there for him. And again, um, guys like Shane Gossespierre going to Carolina, um, you know, players like that, they will kind of gain some value, I guess, over time. Patrick Kane, obviously, to the New York Rangers. Kane stuff has probably um, been more valuable and harder to come by uh, in the past few days, for sure. Um, even Matthias Ekholm probably going to Edmonton might have increased his value maybe a little bit. Um, and the, the big one, actually, the one that I want to talk about is, uh, Rasmus Sandin, uh, going to Washington, uh, Sandin's values will now be in the dumps. Uh, so as soon as a player is traded off the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, their values usually go all the way down because Leaf collectors, uh, being, you know, fairly local to Toronto, they always want to get on the next guy. Of course, in Toronto, there'll always be, you know, Matthews, Marner, you know, Nylander collectors, you'll occasionally see the odd JT or Morgan Riley guy. Um, and those guys are the big, you know, collectors, but also Toronto collectors are, you know, they're, they're, they're very passionate about getting the next guy. So guys like Timothy Lilgren and guys like Rasmus Sandin um, were guys that when you pulled out of a pack and e even Nick Robertson too, when you pull them out of a pack, uh, you know there is going to be a market for them because guys in Toronto basically collect anyone on the Toronto team. And they've seen what, you know, when players go on a hot streak or, you know, things happen, um, the Toronto market for cards is very uh, volatile. It can go up and it can go down. Um, and that's why people really like collecting Toronto Maple Leafs. And there's a lot of collectors, there's a big market for it. But when a, when a player gets traded away from Toronto, like Rasmus Sandy into Washington, you will see a lot of people now trying to move Rasmus Sandian cards. And this is like a falling, what is it, falling knife, falling sword. And people just want to get out um, and they don't want to be caught, you know, holding the bag. Which is, I mean, it's how this goes, unfortunately. It's it's how, you know, this whole, this whole game goes, this whole, you know, hobby goes. Um, it, it was interesting to see with Travis Dermott too. You could see when he was on Toronto, his card prices were a lot more and now his young guns are, you know, dollar box. Uh, you can find a lot of his stuff for, um, very cheap. So Rasmus Sandin will probably be very similar in that his prices will go way, 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 way down. And maybe a year from now, maybe a few months from now, uh, you'll see Rasmus Sandin stuff in, you know, value boxes and things like that just because he doesn't have the value in Washington that he would in Toronto. Um, and that's, it, it's important to know when you're in this hobby, how, you know, things can change so much. 
Um, but obviously, I mean, another trade to kind of highlight is the Timo Meyer deal. And I honestly don't think that New Jersey brings a huge market to Timo Meyer that San Jose didn't. I think they're on a similar level. Um, so again, when a, when a player isn't dealt to a big market team, um, their values are really, they stay the same. They don't really change. Uh, when he goes to San Jose to New Jersey, his card prices stay relatively the same. There's maybe a want for him because there's something new that happened to Timo Meyer. Um, but I don't think his values generally get any better or worse because of the trade. It's more just like, what have you done for me lately? And that's that's a that's a great way to sum up the whole hobby is a what have you done for me lately hobby. Because people are very quickly people are very quick to forget what players do. And another good example is Austin Matthews. So last year, you know, he had an unreal season. He was incredible. People wanted him, you know, all the way into, you know, playoffs and even after playoffs and in the summer, people wanted Matthews because they just thought he was going to have an, a, another really good season. And don't get me wrong, he plays his role in Toronto and he's had a good season. But then people look at Connor McDavid, who has, you know, over 50 goals now. And he's, you know, he's on pace for like 150, 160 points in total. And people go, oh, I want that guy now. So it's a very much, what have you done for me lately? And I even see this at the Toronto Expo. I know I bring up the Toronto Expo all the time, uh, but it's a show that really gives you a good insight of the market. You will figure out very quickly who people want. And in the fall, it was Matthews. People wanted Matthews. People also wanted Suzuki. Suzuki was a name that we just couldn't keep in our showcase. We got got a couple young guns early on in the weekend, and they were all gone very quickly. And we were asked all day Sunday about Suzuki, and we just had to explain to people that like everyone wanted Suzuki. Um, and it's it's a good indication of what people want and what people are after, and and what's hot, and you know what have you done for me lately? And I have a feeling like in April. Uh, if anyone goes to the uh, Sports Card Expo in Toronto in April, probably the name that everyone is going to be asking about is Connor McDavid. And again, you'll probably hear some Boston Bruins and other playoff teams that have a good chance to make a run in the playoffs. I'm predicting right now that Boston Bruins will probably be uh, a you know a name or or a team, I guess I should say, uh, that we probably can't keep in our showcase for a lot. But then again, it's in Toronto, so you never know. Uh, Leafs fans obviously don't like Bruins, so you might have a couple Boston hardcores. Other than that, though, I think that uh, <clears throat> I think that Leafs stuff will still do well. Obviously, it's in Toronto, so Leafs stuff always does pretty well. If you walk in with a Matthews or a Marner or anything like that, usually you can move it or trade it or whatever. McDavid is going to be like the hype is just going to be crazy for McDavid. I think if you have anything Connor McDavid, it's going to move very, very quickly at that expo if you want to get rid of it. And I think the last thing that I would say is probably Rangers cards too. Again, I'm not telling you to pick up any of this stuff. Like I'm not making any, you know, financial decisions for you. Um, you can choose what you want to do with your money. And I, I fully respect that, and I don't want to, to influence you in any way. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. So I have been picking up a couple of New York Rangers, um, specifically Adam Fox recently, just because I think if the New York Rangers go on a run in the playoffs, Adam Fox is an impact player. Same with Shesterkin. 
I've also picked up a couple cards of his, and he's an impact player that can definitely move the Rangers towards the right right direction of winning, you know, a playoff round, a couple playoff rounds, getting some hype behind them. Uh, I think Patrick Kane is probably not a bad idea. I think Tarasenko is not a bad idea. I think that uh, Alexis Lafreniere is, is another great, you know, whatever, if you believe in the Rangers, right? And the playoffs is a great time where, I mean, it's a it's a risky market. It's one of those where your card could be worth $500 today. They get beat out of the playoffs and it's worth 300 the next day. So it's really interesting, you know, to play kind of that fantasy sports kind of aspect of it. But if you get in on card prices when they're relatively low, then you can try and capitalize on when prices are relatively higher. Uh, if you're in low enough, if they get beat out of the playoffs and you're not right, then generally you're not really losing that much, which is obviously my kind of take at it. If you load up early enough, then you're not going to feel as much of the hit as if you loaded up in April when playoff hype starts to roll around and people are looking for specific players. And again, I, I think timing is so important in this hobby if you're trying to um, profit off of things or like I said in, earlier in the pod, invest off of cards. Uh, I think that timing is basically everything. And it's it's something that obviously it works the whole the whole hobby. It's it's timing. It's knowing when to get into something, knowing when to get out of something knowing when not to be when to be greedy when not to be greedy when you can hold something and when you can get more uh when you can send stuff off for grading and when you can expect it to get back timing is obviously a big thing that goes on in in this hobby and i think if you if you play your timing right and if you play your cards right obviously you can you know figure out a system or figure out a way to you know flip cards efficiently and and make money or you know get in on cards that you know, have gone up for good deals or, you know, like I said, if you like the fantasy sports aspect, get in on some cards and then, you know, turn around and, and you know, sell those cards or, or ride it out to the end and hope that they, you know, do the do the thing and win the cup, right? And uh, I think that's, it's what makes this hobby exciting to me. Um, there's, it's always fun to see people, you know, with their PCs and things like that and unique, you know, PCs. But it's also another thing to see people uh, hop on the bandwagon for teams on the playoffs and things like that. So I, I think that timing obviously is a huge, you know, portion to, you know, getting into to stuff like this. Um, obviously, don't take my advice for everything. Um, you know, find out what works for you. If, you, if you're into this for, you know, that fantasy sports side. Uh, but I will say that, you know, it's it's important to kind of plan out, you know, what you're going to do or when you're going to pick stuff up. Because timing is everything. Like I said, if you pick stuff up in the playoffs and, you know, the team doesn't do so well and then you could be down, you know, it, your card could be worth half of what it's worth when you picked it up. Uh, I always tell this story to people and it's not to you know, it's not to like dunk on this guy, but it, he picked up a, a Kale McCarr Young Guns PSA 10. And uh, I asked him at the show that I went to um, probably just before Christmas, it was a couple months ago. And I asked him, you know, how much are you looking for to get for the, the McCarr? And uh, I think he said about 1600. And I said, that is way too high. At the time, Kale McCarr was going for about 1100. So he's about $500 over 
um, comps. And that's not like an outlier comp. That's like a, you know, that's what they go for. Um, so I asked him, I said, like, you know, when did you pick this up? Like, do you mind if you, I ask, you know, how much you're into this for? And, uh, he picked it up just kind of before the Colorado kind of cup finals or whatever. And, uh, Kale McCarr was at, I think he said he picked it up for 1500 and he wanted to make a little bit. And it's one of those things where you, you look at those people and I mean, it's unfortunate because this is how the whole kind of hobby works. And if you're looking to flip, sometimes you do have to cut your losses. And it's one of those things where it's like he's going to have to wait to get that price for the Kale McCarr hype to go back up because he just came back from injury. Or he cuts his losses and takes the cash of what it's worth now and then turns around and uses that cash to you know invest it into something else or to do whatever else with it, right? Uh, and that's what I think is very interesting about this hobby is that whole like kind of fantasy fantasy sports aspect and how it kind of can affect players' values. And again, that's what I wanted to kind of highlight with some of these trades is that not everything changes a player's value. And it's it's a very much what have you done for me lately market. Um, and there's no really rhyme or reason to why someone is worth as much as whatever and this player isn't worth that much it's it's a really interesting tough market to get a hold of and it's it's really tough to get you know your you know investments or whatever correct or you know be in the right place at the right time uh but it's it's something that is is really fun to me at least and to a lot of other people and i think there is you know, it, it provides an extra little, an extra little bit on top of, you know, the PCs and collecting something for, because you like it. Uh, I think there is an aspect of, you know, kind of that fantasy sports side and, uh, you know, being right on your, you know, predictions and things like that. And again, that's why I think that the hobby is so interesting and so unique because it also provides, you know, multiple, multiple ways that people collect and do this thing. <clears throat> And there's no there's no judgment either way. I mean, I'm I don't judge you if you if you go out there and you try and flip every single card that you get. I don't go out there and judge you if you collect every single thing that you pick up. Uh, I think there's a spot for for everyone in this hobby, and that's that's why I do this pod. It's just to talk about you know what's on my mind and what's you know what's unique in the hobby and why I like things and why I dislike things and. Um, I'm sure a couple of these episodes have been more like rants. I think my last one was kind of ranty and I, I listened to it afterwards and I was like, why did I just talk about, you know, why did I rip on Beckett books for like five minutes last episode? Like it's not that deep and it's, it's really not that deep. Um, so that's why I'm going to get on some, uh, some guests onto this podcast and hopefully bring you another perspective or another, you know, way that people do this hobby, because it's important to me to find out other people's, you know, perspectives and how they do things and how, you know, in touch they are and what their involvement is. Um, it's really important to me to figure that out and to, you know, to get these perspectives and to bring them to, to you. So you can find your place in the hobby or you can shift your perspective. Or maybe after listening today, you know, you go, oh, like I, I'd never thought about, you know, PCing this player. or I never thought about that fantasy kind of aspect. Let me go buy, you know, whoever. And I think that's important. I think that when we, you know, 
take take in a different perspective it can uh can open open the doors up to to a different way of of collecting or doing this hobby or maybe something that we you know maybe enjoy more or maybe just get a little taste of and uh, i think that's that's pretty much the the consensus of it so to wrap up the, the the trade deadline trade tracker talk um and and how that gets into kind of card prices is uh is that's it in a nutshell and uh i think that's that's kind of what i wanted to get off my chest today just because of the trade tracker and trade deadline and everything was so so new and so many deals and so many lack of deals on the actual trade deadline uh that i wanted to chat about today um but i think it's important that you take you know one or two things from the episode and kind of uh you know find your find your spot in the hobby and figure out where you're going to go and and maybe uh maybe learn a thing or two or you know take something that i said and and you know bring it to bring it to your own kind of collecting or flipping or whatever you do in this hobby i think is important um so that's pretty much what i wanted to talk about today again like i said i'll have some uh some guests on in the future um i think that um it's important also to to utilize you know different buying spaces i wanted to chat about um you know talking about some different platforms and i think i have a great guest to talk about some different um you know platforms of where we buy cards or where we trade or where we sell and uh some advantages and disadvantages of everything and i have a good guest uh to come on and chat about that with me uh i've got one of my really good friends who i'm hoping can hop on the podcast as well he's a content creator um specifically for nhl but he also enjoys collecting hockey cards and he's done some rather really cool stuff uh i want to get on my my friend who uh who sets up with me at shows who if you've come by and you've seen me at the booth uh you'll see him as well and i want him to provide a perspective on the hobby and and how you know it's going for him um and again, I, I probably want to get on a couple other people as well. Those are just the, a few that I have kind of lined up right now. Uh, again, I'm trying to make it work. I'm trying to kind of schedule everything in. But uh, yeah, I'll wrap it up here. Thank you for listening. Uh, that's episode four of the Cards on Ice podcast. Again, we're keeping it short. We're trying to keep it under 30 minutes. Uh, nice little tidbit of, uh, of listening. And then you can continue on with your day. You don't have to listen to me rant for too long.